Well, I want to welcome you back to our engaged sermon series. So we were in this sermon series before the Easter season came. And if you've haven't been with us since that time, let me just recap just a bit about what this series is all about. So we're considering how can we live like Jesus? How, you know, Jesus, he gives us this amazing opportunity, an opportunity of a lifetime, and that is to live in his kingdom with him. And he wants to transform us. He wants us to make us more like himself because he knows that when we are transformed, we're going to glorify him with our life. He knows that we're going to experience way more joy in our life and we're going to have a greater impact on other people. And so in this series, we're talking about how do we engage with God so that we experience transformation in our lives. Um, you know, when you consider Jesus's life, the most amazing life ever, right? And I think it's really easy for us to think that, well, the reason that Jesus lives such an amazing, virtuous life is because he was God in the flesh, which is, of course, true. Um, but Philippians 2 tells us that he didn't use his rights and privileges as God to his own advantage. And the reason he was able to live such an amazing life is because he totally kept in step with God the Father and God the Spirit. And, and so, and he had practices in his life, he had habits in his life that enabled him to keep in step with God the Father and God the Spirit. And so if we are going to be transformed and if we are going to live a life that resembles Jesus's life, then we need to engage in the same habits, the same practices, so that we can experience that transformation and so that our body and our mind is poised and ready to do the right thing at the right time for the right reason. And so in this series, we're looking at four essential habits of Jesus. If you look at his life, you see him engaging with God uh, through scripture. You see him engaging God the Father through prayer. And you see him engaging in God through community. And you see him engaging in experiences that drew him closer uh, to the Father and enabled him to keep in step with the Father and the Spirit during his earthly ministry. Uh, we, we have spent time covering, engaging God through prayer and through scripture. I encourage you, if you weren't a part of those messages, I, you can go to our website, alcfohio.org, and you can find the, this sermon series and you can find those messages. I, I challenge you to go back and listen to them. Um, Today, we are going to pick up where we left off before the Easter season. We're going to talk about engaging God through community. And I have a very uh, special <laughs> guest with me uh, to help me talk about that. Mary, my wife. Um, Mary, and is, uh, Mary is an amazing leader. Um, and the more I... <laughs> I feel like the more I'm around her in different situations and with other people and groups in our church, the more I realize just how amazing uh, she is. She's really gifted in, in, as a leader. And I don't know if she... Thanks. Yeah, I don't even know if she fully realizes all of that. But man, 
And you've had quite a bit of experience being in groups. You've had quite mm -hmm. a bit of experience leading, you know, Christian community groups. And mm. um, so I, I thought it would be great for her to be with me and she can share from her experiences. And yeah, and, and so that's what we want to do today. Um, so that's where we're headed. Um, when before the Easter season, we had one message that talked about engaging God through community. And what we did is we looked at Jesus's practice of engaging God, the Father, through community. And we looked at what he thought about community and how he valued it. And what we found in that message that I shared right before the Easter season was that Jesus has always existed in community. So, you know, God is a triune God. And so God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit have always existed from eternity past to eternity future. They've always existed in loving community. And us being made in this triune God's image, we were made and designed for community. Um, so we discovered that in the last message I preached on this topic before Easter. We also discovered that you know, during Jesus's earthly ministry, he, earthly ministry, he lived in community, right? Um, and we're going to talk about the different levels of community that Jesus engaged in. But uh, talk about, you know, living with 12 guys for three years, 24-7. I just can't imagine. Close but group. Close group. <laughs> I think they, yeah. And then what's awesome too about Jesus is that he came to redeem community. So he puts such value on community that that's one of the main reasons that he came and he bled and he died on a cross is so that he could redeem community so that community could function as it was always meant to function. So let's pray and we'll continue to look at engaging God through community. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you are the three-in-one God, and we are so thankful that you have made us in your image, and so we are designed for loving community. We are designed to be in relationship to you, that you've invited us into the dance of the Trinity, and we get to dance with you in that uh, community, and also you've designed us for, for human community as well. Lord, I pray that as we consider why Christian community is such an important habit for us to engage in and how you use it to transform us so that we more fully represent your image. Lord, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts. You'd speak to the people that are listening this morning, um, that you would take what we have and that you would create a spiritual meal that would nourish the people that are tuning in with us now. Lord, thank you that you are alive. Thank you that you are present and active and that you are in our midst. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and so since uh, the last sermon I gave before the Easter season was really focused on, you know, how Jesus viewed community and really giving you a theological basis for community, my goal this morning is to try and make this as practical as possible, right? Um, and so here's the first point that I want to make uh, to you this morning is that Jesus 
engaged in Christian community on multiple levels, right? So when you look at his life, he engaged in Christian community on multiple levels. One level of Christian community that Jesus engaged in was community in the synagogue, right? So, you know, Luke 4, 16, it, it tells us that uh, as was his custom, Jesus, he went to worship in this, this, the local synagogue, you know, wherever he was at. And in the synagogue, he would have sang songs. Um, there would have been scripture that was recited and quoted. He would have heard teaching from uh, a teacher in the synagogue. And he would have been with other a group a of group, other believers. A, a group of other uh, other believers. And so that was an essential habit of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And if Jesus made that habit for himself, then who are we to think that we can live like him, be transformed so that we bear his image more clearly? And um, yeah, not participate. In and not participate in it. And so when I was thinking about this, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this too, but you know, I was thinking about even our um, Sunday morning service here at our church, mm-hmm. right? And why, why is this so important? And why did Jesus go to the synagogue? And as I, as I thought about it, I'm like, all right, there's a couple of things that really happen on a, on a Sunday morning. For one, um, Brandon will tell you this, um, uh, our worship leader, he'll tell you that we, our goal is to represent the gospel every Sunday. That's, that's our goal. And so everything we do is structured to represent the gospel. Um, and the gospel says that Jesus is the true king of the world, right? That um, he is Lord. He has come so that he could make a way for us to be a part of his kingdom. That's what his death and resurrection was about, taking care of our sins so we could be a part of that kingdom. He's going to return and make all things new so that at last there's no more viruses. Things are operating and functioning as they are always meant to, right? Like this is the gospel that we're representing every Sunday. How important it is. To hear that every Sunday, right? right? Because when the gospel goes um, from the head to the heart, it changes us. It transforms us. So, any, we often any thoughts forget. on that? I just think we often forget. Even believers that have been in the church for a long time and have heard the gospel message hundreds yeah. of times, um, there are pieces of it that we easily forget. Yeah. And he says to remind we are to be reminded. Yes. And if that's the goal of our Sunday morning synagogue time, mm-hmm. <laughs> then all the better, right? Like that yeah. is what we're called to do. Yeah. And to it makes reminded. me think it makes me think of like part of what the Jewish synagogue did was to remind the Jewish people who they were and yeah. who their God was. Right. And how many times does the Old Testament say, remember? Yeah. I'm the God who rescued you out of yeah, Egypt, you've right? You've been redeemed. You've been redeemed. We've For been res- purpose. <laughs> We've been rescued out of Egypt, yeah. right? And uh, yes. Egypt of sin and death and living a life apart from God. And yeah, how many times do we come on Sunday? I know for me personally, and you know, I could have had a really difficult week and I come and we worship and I'm <laughs> reoriented <clears throat> to the truth and to what my identity is yeah. that yes, I am 
sinful and flawed, but yet I am so loved and accepted because of what Jesus did for me. Mm-hmm. And so I can go into this next week with courage and boldness, and I need that reorientation to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Because the world during the week is not telling you that message, right? It's telling you everything but that, right? It's distracting you from it. Yeah, for really? sure. Mm-hmm. Another thing uh, that I think of of why worship as a community coming together is so important is because I think it brings great pleasure to God's heart, you know, to have his family together um, thinking about the gospel and responding to it with praise and, and worship and gratitude. Oh, that just has to make his heart just so it's got to be his favorite day of the week at least you know like to have everybody together worshiping yeah we recently saw a little video of our sweet emery shackle last night we did um we were sent a video of her singing worship music and shane we played it a few times because she's so darn cute um, but after Shane said, Mary, can you imagine like if we love watching her so much worship God as a two and a half year old, imagine what God feels like when we as a body come together and praise him and worship him. Yeah. So I, I that's, mm-hmm. that's just a, um, maybe a picture in our own minds that we can help, help us comprehend how, <laughs> how important that is and how much joy he gets from it. Mm-hmm. I just love how Emory said glorify. <laughs> glorify, glorify. I loved it. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think uh, we'll have to get permission, but I think this, I think these people need to see it <laughs> for sure. It will make you so happy. Um, another reason why I think the worship, you know, a time of worship, that, that service that we have on Sundays and why synagogue worship was important uh, back in Bible times was that I think it has a way of energizing us. I think mm-hmm. it has a way of recharging us. I, it, it gives us what we need to face, face a new week. Like there's energy. Right. And I you know it's like the Holy Spirit is just alive and it's yeah. active and it does something for you. Right. And we're feeling the effects <laughs> of not having it, right? Yeah. Like I've talked to a number of people and they're really struggling with energy, with dry. I know I've I I've even expressed like man, it's I just lack drive, you know, to to do things and to get things done and um especially with work and yeah, I know I turned to you this past Sunday right before, you know, we all are engaging with online church and I looked at him and I said, I'm over this, Shane. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because it's not a, a worthwhile message to listen to and it's not because it isn't great worship music to sing along with. It's because I miss my people mm-hmm. and the way that the spirit moves when his people are together. Mm-hmm. And I definitely am spurred on toward love and good deeds when I'm with my brothers and sisters in Christ worshiping together and physically yeah right physically with them and then learning together and then milling about and talking afterwards together there's um, an energy and a joy that I think is planned by Mm -hmm. our father in the way that he created us to enjoy that time yeah absolutely yeah, and I think, unfortunately, there's been this belief that has crept into a lot of people's minds that 
you don't need the local church, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can do, you can just do your thing online or do your thing by yourself or just with your family. But we just don't see that in the Old Testament. We don't see that in the New Testament, right? Um, you know, I think of uh, Hebrews and, you know, don't stop meeting, right? Now, obviously right. we're in circumstances where I'm yeah. sure God's okay with this. But yeah. This is not how we were designed to function. So. And don't get me wrong, we both enjoy listening to sermons and mm. other podcasts and learning online apart from our body. But yep. the importance of that weekly meeting um, is is set aside here even like you were saying in Luke 4 mm. when Jesus does the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So another level that Jesus um, engaged in Christian community was with the 12 disciples. We already mentioned that he spent three years with these 12 guys um, traveling with them, uh, doing you know the outreach that they did, um, preaching, teaching, healing, you know, those amazing miracles that Jesus performed. They were a part of all of this. And, um, you know, it's been said, and I think about this often with our kids, that more, more is caught than it is taught. Like, so, um, obviously they learned a lot from Jesus's teaching, but I'd be willing to bet that they, those disciples learned just as much from observing Jesus yeah. and watching him interact and watching him, you know, get up early in the morning and go to a desolate place to pray and uh, watching him, hey, time to go to the synagogue for worship on, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, so I think as we interact, um, so I guess up the parallel to Jesus's 12 would be like what we have at, at Abundant Life, which are, which are life groups, right? Yeah. These are small groups of people. And in these groups, you're able to be more intimately connected, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even, you know, it's hard to connect with everybody personally when you're in a room of 150 people, right? Like it just can't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so as important as that whole group, whole body, community is it has pluses um that the the life groups don't have but vice versa right right so they're needed yes both of those levels um i think the main things in and you can speak to this i'm sure too that um in life groups we can specifically apply the truth to our life mm -hmm. right we can be held accountable mm -hmm. um, we can hold others accountable um, there's more of an opportunity to be transparent about our own personal lives um, and we can receive personal encouragement and we're going to talk more about that um, here in just a bit but yeah would right. you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. So the time that I've had in um, small groups and discipling relationships has been life-giving for me mm. because I am known and I'm seen. And part of that is I, I made a choice, and the people in my group have also, mm. um, to let ourselves be known and seen. And then from there, the, the transformation that's happened in each one of us the um you know common purpose that brings us all together mm -hmm. is that we're willing to come and be real yeah and and we all want to be transformed by the holy spirit mm -hmm. so the life-giving part of that comes from people that know me see me mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and people that take part in my transformation. And truly they do when we are accountable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I almost think of like the life group as like our spiritual family. And then like I see Sundays almost like the spiritual uh, family reunion. Like, yeah, the celebration. Well, yeah, and like then we get to see our second cousins and <laughs> great uncles and right. Sure. But it's our life group that we're actually doing more life on life sure. with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a family reunion every Sunday. So yeah, yeah, and both are important. Right. Another level we see Jesus engaging Christian community and engaging God through Christian community on is his inner circle of three. So so Jesus had Peter, James, and John, who were the closest to him. And they got to know Jesus in a more intimate way than the other disciples even were able to know Jesus. I think of Jesus in his transfiguration. And, um, you know, it was Peter, James, and John. I think it was all three of them. Were the only ones that got to see Jesus's glory as the you know as God incarnate right like they were able to see and know Jesus in a way that was way more intimate as they got to see his glory you know before them and I think of Jesus even in the garden right where he goes you know further than what his his other disciples were he takes Peter James and John with him and Jesus is you know explaining to them you know just how uh, just disturbed he is emotionally and how sad he is and how much grief he's in as he thinks about what's about to happen to him and um, he wants them to come along and, and pray with him. Peter, James, and John is yeah. in her circle. So, um, and I think in that, you know, uh, maybe the equivalent today of an inner circle of three would be accountability partners, um, you know, a best friend, a uh, counselor, where these are the people that really see us like in a naked kind of way, right? Yeah, it's like the the first two people you're going to call when you find yeah. out great news or when you find out bad news. <laughs> That's the way I think about it. Yeah, for sure. No. And you know what? We see, um, you know, the early church, they had these levels of community going on as well. And so the early church, they were following Jesus. And so we see it see these three levels in the early church's life. We read in Acts 2, 42 through 47 about this um, regarding the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so in this passage, you have the early church. They were meeting in the temple, right? So uh, where does it say that? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and then they broke bread in their homes. And so you have the early church meeting in the temple, but then you have them also meeting in homes and you know, how many people could fit in a home, right? And so Mm -hmm. 
And then actually, the, the, the early church, once they were no longer able to meet at the temple, and as persecution started to come, then the, the first Christians uh, were spread out all over the place. And the, for the first 300 years, there were no buildings. And so the whole Christian movement became home-based. And that's why if you read like Paul's letters to the church at Ephesus or the church at Rome, and, and he'll say to so-and-so that meets in the house of so-and-so, right? So... It was really like life group based for the first 300 years. It's crazy and to think. Isn't that funny? That's what we're going to yeah. with the coronavirus. You yeah. know, if, if we're able to soon, we may open up to meeting in groups of 10. What does that sound like? Yeah. It doesn't sound like our synagogue meetings. No. It sounds like our life group, our, our small group, our... 12 disciple meetings, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, and of course our, our core group that we join together with, mm -hmm. but isn't that interesting? Yeah, that, that's where we're at. I don't know why God's doing that, but I right. can see that we're following that pattern mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And you know, the church exploded in those first 300 years, right? Right. So, um, you know, obviously you know, that doesn't mean Sunday mornings aren't important oh, right. for us to come exactly. together, but, yeah, but um, it, the church can still thrive mm -hmm. um, because of God's grace and his spirit at work, even if we have to only be home-based, you know, for, for, for a time. So Right. I was listening to a podcast this week, too, about, you know, a lot of people, they love their churches and they mm. love meeting together. Um, but what happens is, and this is the way that God's created us, in those smaller groups, that's where we can, again, be known, be seen, and, and a lot of transformation happens in those smaller right. groups. Mm -hmm. Not that we're not going to be transformed by the Sunday morning sermon oh, yeah, yeah. or the worship time, but a lot of times when we are speaking to others and reflecting upon our own experiences and lives in kind of like a back and forth conversation, yeah. that's when we're really transformed. So yeah. though we're missing those large groups, and right. you and I both are, hmm. um, praise God that there may be the chance that we can meet together in our smaller groups. And, yeah, and transformation can still happen. Right. So we get back to the ideal. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, so I guess um, we've talked about how a bit about how we have benefited uh, from these different levels of community. Um, I would just say that um, I've needed all levels. I needed all three of those levels of community that there and I still do. Like I just know for my own personal transformation, having those three levels has been critical and I would say that a lot of times um, the health of an individual is directly correlated to if they're experiencing community in these three levels. Christian community at the synagogue level, at the life group level, and at the inner circle level, mm -hmm. right? And when I think about the people who I admire and look up to because of their life and how they emulate Christ so well, I don't know if I can think of one that isn't very engaged on these three levels. Yeah. Can yeah. you? I don't no. And, and I think, too, the importance of um, being connected with the synagogue, the church, our yeah. worship service on Sunday mornings. 
Um, but also when we're thinking about these life groups, it's these life groups and our, you know, our core circle that are the places where we're going to surround ourselves with those people who are wise mm. and with those people who are also following Jesus the way that we want to follow Jesus. Mm. Um, it's really important who we have on each arm. Um, yeah. I'm read through Jenny Allen's um, newest book and she has a, a whole chapter on how important it is to have life with others mm. and basically this message of community and in it she says like be choosy about the people that are on both sides of you yeah. because it's those people who are going to speak to you um, when you need to be challenged they're going to be the people that speak to you and you need to be uplifted mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be the ones that are like throwing balloons out their car mm -hmm. like some of our friends did recently to help us celebrate our son turning 10. So, yeah you know those sure. are those are you know really important when mm -hmm. we are choosing who we're surrounding ourselves mm -hmm. with too and so i would ask you this morning um are you experiencing Christian community at those levels, right? Are, are you a part of a life group? Um, and it doesn't have to be at our church. I mean, we'd love for you to have, you know, come be a part of one of our life groups and we'll give you information. I'm sure there's going to be links uh, for you to be able to plug into one. But yeah, and are you a part of a local church? And do you have a person on, on each arm um, in that inner circle? level um, with the rest of our time here one of the things I or the last thing that I want to do is really look at the life group level and so um, give you practical ways to get the most and give the most hmm. at that level of Christian community yeah. okay and so um, I have some thoughts here and the the first the first I think practical thing is being faithful being faithful to the meetings and, you know, being there, uh, showing up, you know, regularly attending the meetings, um, treating it like a work appointment. You know, uh, if we have that level of commitment and that level of faithfulness, um, I think that's what we need. Um, I also would say being faithful means that, um, that you're going to be praying for your group members. You're going to be praying for your group leader, even ahead of time, even before the meetings. You're, if there's homework, you're, you're coming, prepare with your homework completed. And that faithful attendance is, I have found, is so key as I lead groups um, uh, from the other member's standpoint and also from a leader's standpoint. So I've noticed that when people are regular in their attendance, then there's a cohesion there is a comfort level than the rest of the people have and they know what to expect and it's not like oh well so and so is here they haven't been here in three weeks and i haven't really got to know them as well and it just can really mess with the cohesion and i know from a leader standpoint when people are inconsistent um attending then it's hard as a leader, like, all right, this person is going to be here tonight, but they missed the last two or three meetings. And so do I go back and do we recap all of that? But how am I going to do that? And then that's not going to be helpful to the person that has been here. Sure. It can just be hard as a yeah. leader to know how to lead a group where the, the attendance is just all over the map, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I yeah. know that you've had groups and I've had groups. So it's just... 
Um, actually meeting with some really special girls last night. They were my first group of um, women that I, I was able to lead a group with six years ago we met. And we, we, we were just kind of reminiscing a bit last night. Um, and actually my sweet sister-in-law admitted when I invited her into the group, I explained that it was gonna be a weekly thing and that I, I explained that I, I expected and hoped that we'd be regular and consistent. And she said the first two weeks she thought to herself like, what have I gotten myself into? This is, this is a big commitment. But this is something else that we were kind of referring back to. She was living an hour away at that time. Mm -hmm. And a few times that she wasn't able to make the uh, trip here to Maslin, she Skyped in. Yeah. And, and that was her, obviously, as the weeks went by, and we met for about a year, maybe nine months, we met and it became vital to each of us to not miss that meeting yeah, yeah. because it was a time where we knew that we were going to, and like you referred to before, we were going to get, mm -hmm. but we were there to be the givers too. Yeah. And so as members of the group, to be faithful mm -hmm. isn't just about like, what did I miss? And yeah. how can I get caught up? It's like, what didn't I give that week because yeah. I didn't show up? Yep, absolutely. You know? And, and some, somebody needed it. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I love, that's a perfect example of faithfulness. I can't be there, you know, physically, but I can Skype in. You know, we got technology. We're, hey, we got Zoom. Yeah. We're well versed <laughs> at this now. So yeah, that's, that's what it means to be faithful. Um, another way to get the most out of a Christian community on a life group level is to be present. So don't just be a regular attender when you're actually there in attendance, be mentally, spiritually, emotionally mm -hmm. present. And I think, you know, I've heard of some groups um, that, you know, they put their cell phones in a basket when they come in, right? So it's not like this person's over here on his phone or, um, and they're just really laser focused. People aren't having side conversations. Like they're there to, to be focused. They're, they really try and guard against rabbit trails and that sort of thing. I think those, those, those things can kind of derail a meeting if there's a lot of that. Right, going back a little bit here to the being physical, physically present. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm in a group now with a lot of moms and there's a there's an, a level of grace too. Obviously sure. we want to be together and everybody has that heart. And yet at the same time, children get sick Oh yeah, <laughs> and, and things happen and sure. her husband's out of the house so she has to stay home. So. So obviously it's the intent and it's the yeah, heart in being faithful that, that matters the most. Absolutely. And too, I mean, um, yeah, you need that social connection. And so that's why a lot of times life groups start out, you know, with a 15, you know, 20 minutes of just... Or an hour. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Women are different than men. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, before it really gets focused and that's, that's <clears throat> perfectly normal. Okay. We need to warm up, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't just go zero to 60, you know? So absolutely. Um, I think another thing though, that is huge is, um, as that social part is definitely a part of the life group community level, 
but we can't just make it be that, right? right? Like we need to be committed. So this is another way to get the most out of Christian community on that level is we're actually really committed to discipleship. We're committed to growing as a disciple of Christ and helping others grow yeah. spiritually, right? right? That's what, that's the main purpose we're there for mm -hmm. is spiritual growth. Right? Mm -hmm. So I think having that attitude is really, really important. Right. And when you do have that attitude, you are physically and mentally present, mm -hmm. you know, and when you come with that common purpose, the mm -hmm. bond that it comes out of that, you know, mm -hmm. this group of girls that met last night, we haven't been together in a long time, way too long. But when we got on that Zoom call together, mm -hmm. it was like we hadn't missed a beat. Mm -hmm. and, and knowing that we were joined together in that one purpose for that time yeah. bonded us so much. Right. And so if you're committed to discipleship, then these next things kind of flow naturally. You're going to be teachable, right? Yeah. So you're going to be teachable. You're, you're not going to be that know-it-all. You're going to be like, I'm here to learn, right? And I don't have it all figured out. And I'm not going to pretend that I do because I don't, right? So we're going to be teachable. I, I think of, you know, when I, when I think of, anyways, when we talk about these things, like, let me just back up real quick. Um, I'm getting these thoughts from how I saw Jesus interact with his disciples and how the early church interacted as what we read in Acts 2. So they were faithful, right? Um, the early church was meeting daily. <laughs> I mean, talk about that. I mean, that would make people go nuts maybe if we tried to force them to meet daily but they were meeting daily um when you talk about being present i can't imagine if cell phones were in existence that if peter was over there on his cell phone you know jesus is given this you know sermon on the mount that he would have jesus would have been all right with that right like there would have been some challenge i'm sure um then i think of that that teachable uh piece where you know I think of when Jesus was basically telling them that, that he was going to have to die and you know and Peter's like oh no way and he's uh, Jesus like said get behind me Satan like Peter was not being teachable you know yeah. in that in that moment and so that's that's crucial that we are teachable um, also you know I think of if, if we're really committed to growing we're going to be vulnerable and transparent this is hard, isn't it? Oh yeah. I, and this takes so much courage um, to let people in. It takes so much courage to let people see um, your struggles, your sin. Um, because we believe the lie. And this is what Jenny Allen says in her book too. We believe the lie, if they really knew me, they would not love me. Yeah. But, yeah. Jesus says, I know you mm -hmm. and I've loved you. In fact, I know you and I died for you. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so being transparent is, is fighting that lie mm -hmm. that we want to believe that yep. if we let that last thing be known to us, that we haven't told our family mm. or we haven't shared with them or maybe this side of me, my my angry side yeah. <laughs> that nobody else knows about except the people in my home. If I share except for that, your husband, and... <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> if we don't, if we share that part of us, then they're going to have a different view of us, and there won't yeah. be um, 
there won't be respect. There won't be um, the absolutely, love care, so. yeah. And um, but yeah, we see the early church doing this. Like you know, I think of Paul. You know, carry each carry each other's burdens, um, mm-hmm. confess your sin to one another. Yeah. All these one another's require. I think yeah. there's what 92 of them or something like that. They require vulnerability and transparency, sure. and then that's how that stuff gets healed. That's how that yes. stuff gets transformed. And that's how we overcome it is, is by being vulnerable and transparent. So, and God uses it as a vehicle for healing. Yep. And how, and when I'm vulnerable and transparent, guess what I'm doing? I'm giving everybody else in the group permission. Permission. Yeah. It's okay to be that. So it's, it's critical. Um, again, I I think of Jesus being completely vulnerable and transparent in the garden, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with his inner circle and, um, yeah. And even then, they let him down. Yeah. They fell asleep. Yeah. And so one thing we need to be careful about or to be open to in a life group, in a small group, is that, you know what? They're going to fail us. They'll fail and us we're going to fail point. them. Yep. And, and we need to understand that in the times that they're going to fail us um, or that we are probably likely to do the same right. and the grace that comes mm-hmm. um, in that. Yeah, forgive one another, right? Right. And we're going to fail other people at some time, and yeah, we'll need grace ourselves. Right. So yeah, for sure. So we got to be prepared for that, um, but that shouldn't stop us. Um, another thing is if we're committed to growing, then we're going to be accountable, and, mm-hmm. and that's just so huge. We're going to be accountable um, to the goals we set, and I think as Christians, sometimes we fear accountability, mm-hmm. and we fear keeping somebody else accountable. Accountability, all you're doing is, is like, Mary, you said that you wanted to do this, and because I love you so much, I'm following up with you. How is that going? Are you having difficulty, right? So uh, extending accountability to somebody is actually a way to really love them, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't fear to run from it. So that's how I feel like we're going to get the most out of it, right? Like we're, we're going to be faithful. We're going to be present. We're going to be committed to growing ourselves, which is going to lead us to be teachable, vulnerable, and transparent, and then also accountable. Now, how then can we give the most in, right? Because that's, that's how we get, how do we give the most in a life group setting? Um, I, I think there are several things like we don't make the group only about us, right? Many groups have been derailed by that one person that talks way too much and is always bringing the conversation back to them and is always one upping, you know, whoever's talking. And, um, so we got to avoid that. I think, uh, the way we give the most is we become a good listener before we become anything else. (laughs) Jesus, he asked so many questions. Um, I found out that in the gospels, Jesus asked, asked 339 questions. And so let's be a good listener and let's ask good questions. So let's not just assume that we understand the other people in our group. Like let's be curious and let's uh, help them understand what they're even thinking and feeling, right? Sure. So I think that's huge. I think being an empathy dispenser ah. is so critical in the life group setting if we're gonna give the most. And so I, I've seen a number of people, I've done this myself, where you become, somebody shares something, and you become Mr. Fix-It or Mr. Brightside, right? Yeah. 
Mr. Fix-It, often we go to solutions without adequately listening. And so our solutions that we're offering um, aren't great solutions. And so if we're quick to do that, there's a place for solutions, right? There's a place for that. But I think that comes after good listening. Also, I've seen, and I've done this before, like being that Mr. Brightside where their person is sharing their heart, they're dealing with all these negative emotions, and we very quickly just say, well, you know, God is good, and He's in control, and He, he works all things out for good, which is absolutely true, and there's a time to hear that. But typically, when somebody's really dealing with a lot of negative emotions, if we say something like that, it communicates to them that it's not okay you feel that way. Um, you're not a very good Christian. If you were a better Christian, if you had more faith, then you would be proclaiming Romans 8.28 right now, right? So we got to be careful. Well, yeah, and it's hard because you just want to make them... You want to help. Yeah, you just yeah. want to make them feel better or turn yeah. them around. And yeah. Yeah, and yet we sometimes need to, to be able to just feel what they're feeling. Yes, and that just is often feel. the best way to help, especially when somebody is really dealing with some difficult emotions. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling this with you, and tell me more about that. And you must have felt this way mm -hmm. too, and man, that's so hard. And yeah. So um, I would also say that uh, that willingness to hold other people accountable, that's how we give the most. So don't be afraid of holding your brothers and sisters accountable to what they want to do. It's loving. And not just the leader having to do that. Not just the leader. Yeah, the other Because man, as a leader, it helps so much when uh -huh. you have other people in the group that are holding other people accountable too. Yeah. It makes it so much nicer yeah. as a leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be generous. Like, to give the most, be generous of your time, your possessions, your mm -hmm. resources to help the other members in any way you can. Mm -hmm. um, we've experienced that. It's been such a blessing in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And this is critical. And this is the last thing I will say is that um, we need to be willing to multiply from the beginning right like let's be committed to passing this on to other people um, that's how people will know the amazing gospel and be transformed by is if we're willing to pass it on and are thinking about that as we're going through a group i'm learning not just to be a you know a dam but i'm learning to be you know a river that you know yeah. it, it's passed on. Yeah, the the first group that I uh, was able to meet with six years ago, last night as, as I was looking at them on my Zoom screen, I was realizing that each of those women has gone on mm -hmm. to multiply. Yeah. And in, in, the, in one aspect or another, yeah. and for a short time here and a short time there. Yeah. But each of them are talking about who else they can share this mm. kind of community with. Mm. And that, oh, yeah. that is They're having kingdom awesome. impacts, right? Like yeah. oh. making disciples that can make disciples. Um, can you imagine, so we'll just close with this, like how, I mean, if we get this right, like if we actually live in mm. community like this, this is so upside down. Um, you know, if we're loving in this way and we're challenging and encouraging and if we're sacrificing for one another and if we're fully present and faithful and all of this, like, oh, how attractive that is. Um, you know, and you're not, you don't get that anywhere else. And so, and to me, that's what the early church was able to do and why they were such an attractive community that so many people then ended up connecting into so and we're attracting yeah. them to him right ultimately yeah to yep. grow our kingdom yep. because of our good god 
So we really appreciate you for, for listening. Hopefully this will be helpful um, to you as you engage in the, the Life Group Science Christian community and as you think about Christian community in your own life.